Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me again this week. So pleased to have a guest. His name, Danny Alnasser. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Pastor Jim. And Danny, where did you grow up? Where's home originally for you? I grew up in Jordan, the country of Jordan. It's next to Israel in the Middle East. The Hashemite kingdom. The Hashemite kingdom, that's right. That's right. Uh, The king's name is Abdullah. That's right. Is that a name that you also bear in the middle? Yes, it's my father's name. Abdullah. And now, though, you live where? I live in Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon. Lebanon. And uh, Danny has a story to tell about not just his migration, his conversion, his transformation by the gospel of Jesus, but also how he longs to see his people find the same Jesus he now has come to know. Stay with us. Danny, you grew up in Jordan, and uh, you had a heart for God. I mean, really, as a young man even, you wanted to please God. Isn't that right? That's right. You know, sometimes when people just get tired of life, and they, even though I was young, but I really was like looking at this life like there's nothing worthy in it. And I wanted to seek God because I believed that God is the source of life and happiness and all of that good things. That's why. That was the reason. And you were seeking God in an Islamic context because that's all you knew. 97% of the people in Jordan are Muslim. Yeah, I was trying to know more about God, about the image of God through the teachings of Islam in the Quran and in the Sunnah, that story of Muhammad, the sayings of the Prophet. That's what the Sunnah uh, describes, is that collection of uh, the The Muhammads, the sayings of Muhammad, separate from the Quran. And you devoted yourself to this pursuit. I mean, as a young man, you gave your whole self to it. You did all the rules and regulations, the prayers. I mean, did you tell me that you would actually wake up in the morning at 4 a.m.? Right. You know, I have learned I have learned that when we obey God, when we obey Allah, you know, we will go to paradise. And that's the biggest reward. That's the best reward in the universe. So I wanted to please God and to obey Him. So, you know, we are instructed to go to the mosque uh, to each prayer. And uh, we have the dawn prayer. It's at 4 a.m. in the morning. I would go to the mosque, you know, remembering what the Prophet said about Tell the people who go to the mosque in the dark that God is going to give them light in the last life. So I used to go to the mosque walking and talking in my heart because I couldn't direct my, you know, my prayer, prayer to God. But in my heart, I was like, God, I want that light. So, yeah, this is like gives the picture about it. Literally walking in the darkness at 4 a.m., thinking about the imagery and the metaphor that God is going to give me light. If I'm just faithful enough, if I just do everything well enough, I will get the light. That's right. That was your hope. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I was expecting, that was my highest expectation, is to get light in the last life. But I'm so grateful to my Lord Jesus Christ, who gave me light in this life, in this world, before even I go there. And that's part of your journey, because you came to a point where you recognized that the pursuit of all the rules and regulations and the rituals for all the devotion of your heart, there still was not fulfillment in your heart pursuing God in this way. Well, I don't really accept the United Nations to have more or higher morality and human rights than God himself. And this is what we see today. In the rules of the United Nations about the human rights, we can read about forgiveness, about tolerance, 
But in Islam, God has enemies. God wants us to kill our enemies, to hate our enemies, because he has enemies. So I can't see that the image of God in Islam is going to transform us to the best. That's why I have this burden on my back to tell my people, my Muslims, neighbors, that God is not like this. There is another picture of God. There is another image of God. That God is loving God, who cares for you, who really loves you. I want to wants to give you life, and abundant life. And so, pursuing God in that Islamic context led you to the conclusion that it was a dead end. You you couldn't find life in that. But now you have found that in the pursuit of Jesus, and you want to help your people understand that same truth. Yeah, that's right. When when Jesus Christ said love your enemy and love your neighbor, and that God loves everyone, the evil and the good. I believe that teachings of Jesus Christ can transform us. I believe that, and on the way, I experienced that in my journey with Jesus. But in Islam, I was trying to please God all the time. Here's the difference. In Christianity, Christ has done it all, and now he is asking us to pursue a heart after people, after loving people and loving God. So here's the difference. In Islam, we are self-centered. We only care about our salvation. We want to get saved. We want to please God. But with Christ, it's different because what I care about, not me, because I'm saved. God saved me. I care about people. I want to love people. I want to reflect the love of God that I have in my heart. And when we come back, Danny, I want to ask you, how you think we should best approach a world that's defined by Islam. If you were to go back to your home village, how would you talk to the people there that have not yet discovered the Jesus you know? Stay with us. Daniel Nasser grew up in Jordan. He has become a believer in Jesus, even though he grew up in an Islamic world where he did not even meet anyone who was a Christian until he was 20 years old. He had not really seen a Bible or ever read it until he was a young man. But out of all of that, the Lord has taken hold of his heart through Jesus Christ, and he has a burden for his people. Danny, if you were to walk home today uh, in Jordan, what would you suggest uh, to the people around you who look at you and say, aren't you that guy that used to live here? What would you tell them? I would tell them that the power of love has transformed me, the power of the love of God, because I, I want to emphasize on the fact that love is more powerful than strength. You know strength? Like, I am strong. If you are a loving person, I am stronger than you because I have the strength, I, I have the power. This is wrong. Love is more powerful because when you forgive, you are powerful. When you love, you are powerful. When you try to help people, when you try just to get out of yourself and to live for others, this is the power, this is the strength. Love is more powerful, and that transformed my life. And do you think that that conversation about love builds a bridge to help them understand that Jesus taught you about that love and, and gave you that love? You know, sometimes there is something called Stockholm Syndrome where, where people love their persecutors. And I believe sometimes these people, they are blind to see that they don't really love. They are forced to act like that. 
when we show them the real image of God, the loving God, God is not forcing them to love him because he will send them to hell if they don't. But he is giving them life. He is giving them choice to love people because he loves them first. So I believe that is very powerful and that is going to change their lives. Yes, this conversation, if took place between me and any Muslim, I'm sure that when he discovered that God is a loving God at the first place, after that, he's powerful, he's almighty, that's going to change things. And do you think that Jesus is that image of God? I believe so, yeah, because here's the thing. Muslims believe that the Quran is the word of God, and that word is sacred and eternal. And that word manifested in our world through a book where we have papers and ink. While Christianity, six centuries before that, believed Jesus is the word of God, and he is manifested in our world through flesh and blood. So I tend to believe that the climax or the cultivate revelation of God is better revealed through Jesus Christ as blood and flesh more than paper and ink. So here's, here's the thing that the Muslims miss. They think that son of God is the product of a marriage between God and Mary the Virgin. That's not right, because the Quran said that. The Quran said that God cannot have a wife. And in Islam, people think that God has, there was sexual intercourse with Mary the Virgin, and here came Jesus. This is not right. Jesus, the Word of God, the Son of God means the Word of God, who has, you know, came to our life in blood and flesh. As the Quran, the same thing, but the difference is Jesus was a living person who walked before us, who said things, who healed people, not a, a silent book who is unable to help anyone. The scripture tells us that Jesus was the word to become flesh. And that's what you're describing. That's right. And he says to us that when we see him, we see God the Father because he is the word of God, the thoughts of God, the persona of God in human form. He is the exact representation of the Father, we understand. So when you see him, you see God truly, and that's what you've discovered. You know what, Danny, there's so much I want to ask you, but after the break, let's talk about some of the questions you might pose to someone who might be listening today who is in the Islamic world.
One billion people in the world believe that Muhammad was the prophet of God, the best and last revelation of the way of God. Our guest today, Daniel Nasser, once believed that, but he has now discovered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that Jesus is himself God and superior to all other voices. Danny, as you imagine somebody listening to us today who might be in the Islamic world, in the Islamic faith, they sincerely are seeking God because we know that there are many people outside of the gospel of Jesus who love God. They want to find God. They want to love God. There is love in their hearts, but they're not sure how to express it or to find it. What would you say to them listening today? They're truly seeking truth. They want to know the way. What would you say to them? Jim, I was reading a book about the most beautiful cities in America, and uh, Berlin was the most beautiful city there. I came to America, and I was searching for Berlin, and people told me, there's no Berlin. Berlin is not here. And I refuse to believe that because I read that in a book. The same thing is happening with the Muslims. They read about Christianity. God got married to Mary the Virgin. Christians worship three gods. And they come to the church, and we tell them, we don't have that. It's not there. And they refuse to, to believe because they read that in the book. The same principle. I am not going to believe you because I read that there. I don't care about what you believe. I don't care if you don't believe that Berlin is here. I only care about what I read. This is not like, this is not clever. This is not smart. The same thing is happening there. Jesus is a prophet. Jesus was not crucified. Jesus is uh, now in heaven, but he was not dead. He has not resurrected. We read that in the Quran, and we came to the Christians. The Christians are telling us, they tell us, Jesus is God, he is the image of God, and his power transformed our life. But we refuse to believe that because we read that in the book. We accuse the Christians, I'm talking about Muslims, you worship three gods, God, Mary the Virgin, and Jesus. Christians say we don't, or we refuse to believe them. So my question is to the Muslims, So if I'm telling you today that we don't worship three gods, we only have one God, and Jesus Christ is God in a human flesh, and Jesus Christ is not only a prophet, and he was crucified on the cross, and he was dead, and he has been raised from death, and now he is in heaven. This is what we believe. In the Quran, you only have one verse talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which is the core belief of the Christian religion. My question is, why the Quran is presenting false teachings about Christianity? We don't have that. We are telling you we don't have that. If you want to know about Christianity, you have to listen to us, to our Bible, to our beliefs, not to the thing that you read. If I want to know the citizens of America, I have to ask Americans. I can't believe the book, and that's it. So my question is, there are some stories in the Quran about the prophet's personal life, and we can find many verses trying to fix that. What about Christianity? Why didn't God say anything about redemption, salvation, original sin, uh, crucifixion, uh, incarnation, all of that? It's the Christianity. We can't find anything there. So my question is, why do you refuse to accept Christianity if your Quran has not said anything about it. There's nothing about Christianity, our Christianity in the Quran. 
This is one of the questions I can I can ask. And if you then got the reply, well, what about your Bible? It's corrupted. It's not really trustworthy. Mm-hmm. What would you reply? I would tell them to read the history. When we are talking about corrupted books, we will be talking about one book that someone changed and he distributed after that, printed and distributed. But our Bible, and the history proved that, was written by 40 men. Over 2,000 years, they were writing the, the Bible. They are living in different ages, in different cities. Some of them were kings, some of them were shepherds. And all of them agree on, on the principles that we believe. This is not a one-writer book. It's a 40-writer's book, which is impossible to gather them together because they, are, they lived in different ages. It's impossible to gather them to agree on one thing. Even if we want to make it corrupted, we can't. So the history proves that the Bible is not distorted. And this is contrasted to the Quran, which really is the work of one man. That's right. The, the Quran is the work of one man. And actually, we have some stories in Islam. And please, I'm not here trying to attack the Quran. I'm here just trying to make a comparison. If the Bible, 40 people in the Bible, they wrote the Bible, and all of them agree on the principles of Christianity. In the Quran, we can find contradicted things, and the writer is one. For example, in the Quran, we can find like, love or be tolerant and be peaceful in your argument with the Christians. There is that verse. And another verse is, kill all those who don't believe in Allah and his prophet from people of the Bible, from the Christians. So here is contradiction. It's very obvious and people can cannot interpret it in a different way. There's no interpretation to make this even or to justify this. It's obvious. What about this contradiction? We have something called abrogation or cancellation, which the second verse canceled the verse, the, the first verse. We don't have that in the, in the Bible. So if I am to talk about, you know, in a comparison between the Bible and the Quran, I find contradictions in the Quran more than I can find in the Bible, where 40 people wrote it, and the Quran just the, uh, the produce of one man. If you could tell someone listening today who was a Muslim one thing about the Jesus that changed your life, just one thing, what would you tell them? I would say that Jesus made me able to love. And this is the most radical thing that could ever happen to anyone. I can love my enemy. This is the most powerful thing. Nobody can love his enemy except through the power of God. Now and today, I can forgive my enemies and I love them. So I, I, I challenge all the Muslims in the world, if, you, if they can show up now and tell me I love my enemy. First of all, this is going to be against his beliefs. If he is going to love his enemy, then he is better than Allah, because Allah does not love his enemy. So it's really arrogant from any Muslims to say I love my enemy, because are you better than Allah? But I can say it proudly. I can say I love my enemy because my God loves his enemy because he doesn't have enemy at all. Instead, he said, I give my son for everyone, for evil people and good people. I love all of you. I send rain 
to good people and evil people. Muslims believe that people in Israel are evil. Well, a training in, evil in Israel the last time I checked. So God loves everyone. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved, to your point. And that brings me to a passage I know is very important to you. It's in 1 John. Chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Danny, as you've been speaking, I also cannot help but think of a famous passage that Jesus has quoted in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek and you will find. The idea being that if we are seeking sincerely for the truth, our God will honor that quest. And he did in your life even before you knew Jesus. He was honoring your thirst to know him. And for anyone listening today, you may not have even thought about Jesus before, but we want you to know if you're seeking God honestly, sincerely, and completely, somehow, some way, Jesus will find you. And when you meet Jesus, then you will meet God. I, w- I want to remind our, uh, the people who are listening to us from Muslims that you know Al-Sheikh Sudais, you know people like him who cry when they read the Quran. And we, we can feel their love, and they're seeking to God. They want to know God. So here's the thing. God in Islam, he is, he hates his enemy. What about God who loves everyone? God who wants to give life to everyone, and that is manifested in Jesus Christ of the Bible, that the Bible, you say, it's distorted. And I wonder how can a distorted book be or have this much of love and tolerance, and the book of God, which is the Quran according to your beliefs, have this hatred. We want to invite you to take a chance right now. Whoever you are, wherever you are, just take a chance and pray with us. Dear Father in heaven, we acknowledge you as the one great, good, sovereign God, the creator of heaven and earth, who knows all and can do all, and who loves all. We acknowledge, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that everyone who's joining us in this prayer might see him, might know him, might be touched by him and changed by him. We pray that his love, your love, might consume us and redeem us and make us new. We admit, Lord, that we need forgiveness because none of us can do any rituals or go through any regulations or do enough good works to be perfect. We can't do it. But we know, Lord, that Jesus has made a way for us to be acceptable and pure and pleasing in your sight. And so we ask that we might be surrendered into his care, made new by his spirit, and that he might now lead us as we follow him. Cause us to be born again of the spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about what we've been talking about today, give us a call. Just dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We are ready. We are anxious. We are so glad to speak with you. You can also check us out online, CBH Viewpoint. That's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email. We will reply 
or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, please let us hear from you this week. Daniel Nasser, it is always a privilege to be in your company. Thanks for coming along. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Thank you. And we thank you for tuning in also. We hope that you'll be with us again next week here on Viewpoint as we try and help you see the world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.